Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody in Marawa. Good morning, everybody in Mullaloo. Everybody watching online. Can we all just put our hands together wherever you're at? It is great to be together. If we haven't met, my name is Dean, and we are so glad to have you here this morning. We are in a series as a church right now uh, called Remnants and Rebuilds. We're looking at the book of Haggai in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, for many of us, if you weren't here last week, you may have thought, I don't even have any idea what's in there. And, uh, but there, there's a great message in this short little book from the prophet Haggai that is so important for us today. I'll give you a short recap in case you weren't here uh, last week. Uh, we were looking at how all throughout the scriptures, God has this plan that he wants to create a people for himself uh, who know him as king and who represent his ways, his kingdom in this world. And so he's always been on this mission. And throughout history, it kind of ebbs and flows. Sometimes the people of God who know him as their king are going well, and then sometimes it doesn't go well. But he always preserves a remnant. And the remnant are the, those who just stay faithful to God through the good times and the bad. And in a lot of ways just say, God, no matter what, we want to be here for what you're doing next. And so all throughout history, you always see how God uses a remnant, a small a fraction of what was, uh, to kind of create and kick off and build what is going to be next in his unfolding plan. And so the book of Haggai is speaking to this remnant of uh, the people of God in, in Israel at that time. And they were kicked out of their land, but they've been allowed to come back. And they're back, but their, their temple, the symbol, God's house in their midst has been torn down. It's been uh, destroyed, and now they've rebuilt their own houses, but God's saying, you know what, it's time to build my house. So last week we just looked at the promise and the potential of the remnant and how, you know what, maybe in some small way in our own sort of version today, those of us who are following Jesus here and now in this moment, that maybe God has something of that remnant plan for us. And what would it mean to be those people who say, God, we are uh, ready to be just devoted and obedient to you because maybe there's something fresh and new he wants to do in our day, in our time. So what we're going to look at, that's the promise and potential of the remnant. Today we're going to look at this idea of rebuilding. And we're going to go back into Haggai 1 and look at the call to rebuild, what it looked like for those people, and, uh, and, and what the challenges and tensions are sometimes when God is calling us to be a part of his plan to rebuild. So we're going to come back to Haggai uh, chapter 1 and uh, verse 3 in particular. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come. To rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? So we saw how God is always going to kind of compare in this passage their house and his house. And then he says, uh, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Look at what's happening here. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And this is what the Lord God Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Really think about this. I want you to go up into the mountains. I want you to bring down timber and I want you to build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. He says, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your 
own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for the drought on the, on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. So he sends him up and he says, I want you to go bring down this timber. I want you to build my house. And in these verses, what we're going to see here is the, the tension point. Uh, of, it, it is, of course, exciting. Uh, it is, of course, filled with promise and potential to think about any remnant being a part of, of sort of rebuilding God's house, of being part of the new thing he wants to do. But in these verses, you see why, uh, why in some ways it was challenging for them. And God is, is speaking to his people and saying, I want you to look at what's been happening here. I'm calling you as the remnant to rebuild my house, but do you see what's happening here? You are pursuing a lot of things, but yet it's like you never have enough. And God says the answer to this problem is going to be you're going to go up, you're going to bring the timber, and you're going to start to build my house. So we're going to think about rebuilding for a moment. I want you to think about rebuilding. Now, I am uh, not a particularly uh, gifted architect or builder or anything that would help in building uh, an actual sort of structure that a person or anyone could go in safely. So I'm not particularly good on, let's say, the building of a thing uh, end. But uh, as many people in our church know, I'm a great artist and a great drawer. And because I was, we had a lot of great comments, people really wanted more drawing uh, last week. Just, just kidding. Actually, I heard a few people started a Kickstarter campaign uh, to get me art lessons. So, but it hasn't come through yet. I've not seen any of that support. So uh, you're just stuck with my current drawings. But what I want us to think about uh, a little bit for a few moments this morning, if we're going to understand what it is to rebuild and how we too can be a part of God's rebuilding project today, I want us just to think about what this moment would have felt like uh, for uh, the people, uh, the remnant of people in the land about to rebuild. You see, uh, God says, uh, I want you to go, here's the situation that we see kind of described. Now, we've got, uh, I've got some drawings here, I've got a whiteboard, and we're going to actually pick up where we left off uh, last week. Do you remember this drawing? When we're all done with this series, uh, we might auction off some prints and copies of this uh, because it's, it's uh, just such a, a work of art. But we saw the people are back in the land, the remnant, these people right here. Uh, we saw the, here is the, the temple. It's lying in ruins. And we saw as well uh, that the people are building their houses. Now, as the people are building their houses, this is where God is speaking to them. And this is where uh, we start to see this tension where God says, hey, you're busy with your houses while my house is in ruins. Now, I want you just to think about this. I want us to put ourselves in the situation of the people who were involved in the rebuilding. That God is saying, I want you to go up, I want you to bring the timber, uh, and I want you to start building my house. Now, uh, here is what they were experiencing, this dynamic right here. So we're going to build another house, as I said. I Maybe uh, not great for an architect. So this is their house. We're just going to say that's a symbolic representation of their house. And uh, maybe a little, little welcome mat out the front. It says, Boker Tov, good morning. You know, okay. Anyway, uh, there is then God's house, which is over here. And it's more or less lying in ruins. There's maybe a few bricks down, small foundations there. This part of Haggai's message is dealing with this tension 
that's being experienced between the people. We'll just put a few here. A few people are kind of remnants um, right here. He's only got one leg. Let's give him two legs. There we go. Uh, one more person. Um, very tall, that person. That's, that's kind of a, let's, let's start over. They're, they're, here we go. Okay, there we go. We got a remnant. We got a remnant. And they are uh, living, maybe we'll just add another one right here. You know, they're living kind of in, in this land. And they're experiencing the tension between whose house do we build? Now, remember, God's house is symbolic of his presence in their midst. And they're experiencing this tension. Now, for them to build, so again, I'm not a great builder, but here's what I know. There's a few key elements they would have needed if they are going to build this house. First of all, uh, here's one of their challenges. Why are they busy with their own house? Why are they uh, busy and focused on their own house? Well, it, because I want you to think about this. They don't have any opportunity. They are building their own houses. They don't necessarily, it's not like they kind of could go to their day job, work a few hours, and then they're paying a builder to do it. This is a, a different moment in time in history. They are, they are physically engaged in extraordinarily challenging uh, kind of working conditions. They only have a few things that they can do to build their own house. They need a few key elements. The first one they need and the first reality uh, of tension that they experience is, do you know what that is? That's the sun, okay? That's the sun. Look at all the bright light. That is maybe the worst sun I've ever seen. But anyway, uh, the sun represents, they've only got so much what? Time, like any of us. They've only got so much daylight and they don't have spotlights. They can't work at night. So when they have to think about, will I build my house or build God's house, they're going to constantly have to make a choice. I've only got so much time. I've only got so much uh, time in the day. I've only got so much daylight. And so I need to, I've got to stay focused on my house. But God says, listen, what, what's it time for? Is it time for your house or my house? So they've only got so much time. Uh, the second uh, thing they've only got so much of, again, remember, they aren't kind of paying somebody else to build a house. They don't have the luxury. If it was me, I'd need to, you know, get a contractor, all those things, have someone else build it for me. They only have so much. Uh, we're going to call this one. Here we go. Oh, let's see what's happening there. I'm going to draw. Let's see this. This is going to be a muscle. I'm going to try and do like the, the little emoji. Okay. This is, look at that. That's an arm. This is strength. That's bicep. That's, you know, filling them right there maybe, you know, the bicep. Okay, so there's so much, they only have so much strength. They only have so much energy. Uh, we're going to say, we're going to put this one right here and we're just going to call it, they only have so much talent or strength uh, that, that kind of, they literally are going to have to use their own muscle, what they have to build their houses. And so no doubt they might have felt like, well, if I put all my talent and strength, if I put all my energy, uh, I've only got so much time, I've only got so much of these talents, I've only got so much energy and muscle, uh, if I put it towards this house, there probably won't be enough for my house. Uh, then, they, they only have so much, what's the last thing? He says, uh, go up and bring the timber. They've only got uh, so much kind of resource. Now, this is, this is going to be like a, a log that's been cut down, we'll make it kind of three-dimensional, that's the idea there, we'll color it in. So they've only got so much, we'll just, you know, we'll call it timber uh, there. They only have so much timber. There's only so much wood, like any. Now, they didn't necessarily trade in the same kind of uh, currencies we might have, but there's only so much timber, only so much of the, the valuable things they have. 
And so to think I'm going to take my timber or I'm going to take uh, whatever commodities, whatever kind of currency I have and put it towards God's house, well, that's, that's challenging. So I think all of us could probably relate to this because we probably all have felt at various times this exact tension, which is this. We live between, we've kind of got these two houses, our house and God's house, that we live with the tension of knowing we all only have so much time, talent, a timber, you know, for us, it, we might call this often, we call, speak about it as our treasure, what finances we have. We all have a limited amount of this. And here's what they believe. They believe, like we often believe, well, the reason they're postponing rebuilding God's house is because they're going, if, if we use all these things for God's house, well, guess what? That's going to mean this. It's going to mean we have less of all of this for my house, for our house. And so they're caught in the same tension that we all experience in so many ways. Do you know, when I was uh, about uh, 16 years old, 15, 16-something like that. No, it must have been 16, 17. Uh, I had, if you remember, I used to have a job at a furniture place. That place went out of business. It wasn't my fault. But I ended up working at a movie theater. And one of the first jobs they gave me uh, was to pop popcorn. The way it worked, you got sent up into this little room. You were all by yourself. The room was, you know, uh, not very big. Uh, again, I'm not a good architect, so I don't even know how many square meters. Let's just say it was a small room. Just enough room for a, a, a giant popcorn machine, uh, a bunch of kernels in bags, uh, the, the canola oil that you were going to use, and, uh, and some extra bags to, to pop it into. So it was this giant machine. And basically the popper was at the top, and the way it worked was you would put the canola oil into the into that, you know, popper thing, and then you would put the kernels on top of it, and then they would just pop, and they'd all fill this bin, and then you put them into a bag. And as I stand here today, it seems so extraordinarily simple that it, who could possibly have not gotten this right? But what I, they gave me the instructions, it was simple, you push the button, canola oil, here's how much kernels go in, put the kernels go in, they pop, put them in a bag, no worries. Uh, they told me, we need you to to do about 80 bags today. It's your first day, so we won't ask you to do like 200, you know, like you, we might normally, but 80 bags, just get yourself used to it. Now I'm doing the job and everything, and I keep on these simple elements. It's a really simple system. Just push this button, canola oil goes in, then the kernels, then the popcorn. The thing I kept finding was my popcorn was burning. And I realized there's probably not enough canola oil in there because, again, I'm super intelligent. And so I keep pushing the button. And what I found was I kept on pushing the button more and more. The popcorn kept burning. Things were not going well. I was supposed to have packed a lot of, you know, popped a lot, packed a lot of bags. Time's going by. Why is this not working? It's all coming out burnt, and there's not enough of it. More oil, more oil. I keep pushing the button. I keep pushing the button every time. Not enough popcorn's coming out. And I finally am asking myself, I've now been doing this for hours. I'm getting nowhere close to 80 bags. I'm not, I can't get anything done. And I'm standing in this little room, and I look down on the floor, and I realize now that I am standing in a pool of canola oil. And the canola oil is like deep, and I'm, and I'm on this slippery kind of linoleum floor, and honestly, it's almost like a TV show. I, I eventually just slip, I fall, I end up grabbing and knocking over a bunch of these bags of kernels. They spill onto the ground, these giant bags of kernels, and I realize this has not gone well. And I'll never forget the look on the manager's face when they come up and found me uh, in this room with more canola oil and kernels on the floor and like five bags or something like that of popcorn pop. And what I realized eventually was there was a hole in the system. 
every time I was pushing the button, the oil was not going into the popper. It was going out the back onto the ground. No matter how much I pushed that button, it was not going to get uh, where it was meant to be. And in the end, instead of getting the 80 bags I was supposed to, I think I literally, I think it was about five or eight bags total that I popped. And it took me about 12 hours, kid you not, of cleanup. But the point is, sometimes there's actually a hole, something's broken in our system. But we just kind of keep pushing, thinking if I just give it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, surely that'll fix the problem. But the problem isn't that you're throwing too much at it. The problem is there's a hole in the system. And what God was saying to the people in the book of Haggai is he's saying, uh, you keep saying there's, there's not enough time. I can't, there's not enough. We don't have the energy. We can't build your house. God, we're busy with our house. We're throwing everything we got at our house. But God says to them, remember those words? He says, look, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I want you to think about your ways. Stop and look at what you're doing. He says, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. God says there's a hole in your system. You see, the calling of the remnant is to be the people of God who say uh, it's actually about God's house first in our life. God's not about, God was never against, you know, kind of them, their house being good. We'll give it a, a gold star, you know. God's not, God's not against, uh, it wasn't against his people having a good house. God's not against you or I prospering. In fact, if we go all the way up to, check this out, we're going to re rewind. If we go all the way back to the garden, God's entire intention was for humanity to flourish and enjoy his good creation with him as king and his people underneath him. So God is not against us prospering and flourishing, quite the opposite. He wants our lives to flourish. But he says, but this is how it works. Again, if you go all the way back to the garden, it works when he's king. It works when he's first. It works when it's not about me and my small kingdom, but God and his big kingdom and me living under him. So God says to the people, look at your ways. You are using all of your time and your talent and your timber and your energy to build your houses, but look, nothing is prospering. And God says the problem, it's not that you're not working hard enough or pushing hard enough. The problem is there's a hole in your system. The problem is that you just keep throwing everything at your own house when he, in God's way, he says, it's not time for you to just dwell in your house while mine's in ruins. I want you to put my house, I want you to put me first in your life. The big question and the big, you know, uh, central issues of so much of the scriptures is all about uh, the priority of God being first in our lives. And why don't we? Why don't we put him first? Why don't we prioritize his kingdom, his house? Because we always think, just like they did, that if we, if we put too much of what we have and all any of us have in this life, all any of us have is our time is whatever talents we've been given and whatever treasure has been placed in our hands. These are our resources. And we often think that if I use those and, and 
put them into God's kind of house first or into prioritizing him first in my life, then maybe there won't be enough left for me. And so we keep on putting everything in and thinking, if I've got, if I've got this, that's the way I'm going to get ahead. Do you know, if we are going to rebuild as a church, it will require that remnant of people being willing to say, God, I choose to prioritize you with my time and my talent and my treasure. Because you see, God, we don't live in this era. If we come back, uh, you know, to the, to the drawing, we don't live in the era of this uh, temple. But in fact, if we come to uh, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, what changes in Jesus? What changes is that Jesus says, you know what I'm building now? I'm building my church. And the gates of hell are not going to uh, prevail against it. When Peter declares that Jesus is the son of God, he says, I'm building my church. Peter, this confession, that'll be the new rock, the new foundation on which I build my church. God, Jesus is now building his church. In the New Testament, in, in our first Peter, he puts it this way. Check out what Peter says. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, hey, you also, you people of God, you people at True North Church, you are, uh, you are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is what the church is. It's the same word, house. It's the same word, temple. You as the people of God are being built. Come uh, in Ephesians, it says it this way. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, in Christ, you too are being built together to become that new dwelling. In which God lives by his spirit. Do you, do you see this? This is what God is doing. He is still building a house. It's just it's not with timber and concrete. But he is still building the dwelling place of his people where his spirit dwells. That is the, the, the pres his presence in the world in these people. See God is, Jesus says I'm building my church. And it is a spiritual house. Do you know that picture, that idea that God has always been wanting to build for himself a people who, as it says in Ephesians, are built together so that his spirit can dwell there? That same picture that goes all the way back to the garden that has gone through all these phases of, of history and Forward and backward and going well and going badly. But always through it, God moving his people forward. Always through it, God building his people. And now we live in the era where Jesus says, I am building my church. I am building this new household of faith where my people will be built together. And as we are built together, God's spirit uniquely dwells in our midst. And, and that community of faith, the church, the ecclesia. It is, the, it is the place where people can look and see that city on a hill, the light. Uh, Jesus says you're going to be the light of the world. You're going to be the, 
visible demonstration of who I am and my goodness. But do you know that just as God's, the, the house, the temple, the Haggai, that God's people were called to build at that moment in history, just as it was not going to, uh, God wasn't just going to snap his fingers and up it went. Of course he could do that. But God was going to, wanted to work through his people. And so he said, I want you to build my house. So God says to his people today, I want you to build my house. I want you to build my church. And the church is not, once again, it is not the physical buildings we meet in. They are a physical house where our church can meet and where people can encounter Christ and all those things. But the church is the house and we are called to build that house. We are called to build the church. And just like the time of, of Haggai, we come back to our picture, just like uh, the people uh, of, of Israel in that moment, they only had these three kind of key, you know, ingredients. We have our time, we have our talents, our strengths, our abilities. We've got our timber. We've got our, we're going to make this the word treasure. We only, we just have these three things in so many ways. And God has given all of them to us to, of course, build our small house. Of course, our, our place in this world, that is a good thing. But he asks us to first prioritize his house. Do you know in uh, Hebrews, it says that we should not give up, let us not give up meeting together. In Hebrews, he says, you know, we don't want to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know we are called to just give time to prioritizing what it is to gather as God's people. Because if we are going to be built together, remember if he said we're going to be built together, it is impossible to be built together with people we never meet with. It's impossible. We'll just be, you know, a, a, you know, if we're living stones, we'll just be a stone out there on our own. But, you know, we are called to really just stay faithful, this idea of gathering with one another. We meet together on, on Sundays. The reason believers throughout history started to meet on Sundays together is this is the first day of the week. It's the first thing that we do. We meet with one another and we worship God. We meet in groups. We sit down over coffee with one another we share our stories with one another. We pray for one another. We give our time to one another. You know, it's one of those challenges since the pandemic. That I mentioned this last week. We have probably less than half of the amount of people who meet together in person on a Sunday. Do you know that's not just because uh, half of our our community is gone, but it's just because one of the things the pandemic did was broke the habit, as it says in Hebrews, of meeting with one another. But if we are going to rebuild what it is to be the people of God in the house of God, we're going to have to prioritize saying, I'm actually going to make this a priority in my life to meet with God's people. doesn't mean that we fall into some kind of terrible old school legalism of you have to be there every week, but rather we as the people of God say, God, uh, what, will, what will it look like for me to regularly gather? Meet with your people. I, I don't want that to be something that is haphazard in my life, something that sometimes yes, sometimes no, or, but rather to say, God, I want to prioritize meeting with the body of Christ to worship you. You know, the, the New Testament says over and over again that God has placed talents 
gifts and abilities. Some of those are natural human abilities. Some of those are spiritual gifts, unique capacities given by the Holy Spirit to God's people for the purpose of building up the church. Do you know how the church is built? It is built in Ephesians, one of, it could go so many places, but Ephesians 4 puts it this way. It says, from him, from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, takes every person, uh, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If the church is to be rebuilt, if we are to rebuild God's house, it will take every person uh, working together, each one doing their part. So often I think people look and they say, oh, you, churches just want this, they just want that. Oh, you just want me to, you know, come on a Sunday and uh, so I can look at your silly drawings, Dean, well, I uh, you know. Or, or oh, churches want me to bring my talents or, you know, you want me to serve or do these things. That, uh, the church must just want that. No, do you understand? This is how God created the church. The way it builds itself up is when each part does its work. And there is no plan for the church to grow apart from each part doing its work. God even says, I've given you leaders not to do the work of ministry, but rather to equip God's people for works of service. It takes every person doing their part. You know, in terms of treasure and talent, so much of the scriptures talk about how do we honor God first with our finances, the whole ideas of tithing. Some people think tithing means a tenth of what you have. It doesn't. It always meant the first tenth. And in the New Testament, we see in Corinthians, in one of the spaces where Paul is talking about what it looks like to bring offerings and support the work of churches and God's people. In 2 Corinthians 8, he says, but since you excel in everything, so you do all the other things you're meant to do. You're growing in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness. And, and in the love that we have kindled in you, he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. What would it look like to excel in the grace of giving, of being people who honor God with something of the first of our finances? I know for so many people, they go, oh, churches just uh, want your money or things like that. And, and, and if you've ever felt that or if you're new to church and that's what you think of churches, I, I, I can only tell you I'm, I'm so sorry that's been your experience or what you believe. But maybe you just never heard the whole story because the whole idea Starts in a garden with this idea of God saying, I want a people who will honor me with the first. And it starts with this picture of actually everything. We don't, churches don't want your money. What, what God's word is trying to teach us is that everything we have, all the timber. Later in Haggai will say, all the silver, all the gold. Every treasure we have in this life, it is not ours. It's all his. And he says, if you will honor me with it, then it will go well for you and his church will be built because God is building a people. He's building, Jesus says, his church. He's building this spiritual house where he dwells. And we are called to bring our treasure to honor him. Do you know, in our church, uh, roughly since, uh, I, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure, but at this point, from the best we can see and have our admin crew kind of look and give me the best sort of numbers they can, but as best we can guess, only about 30% of those who call True North home on a regular basis bring tithes and offerings. And, and, I, and I don't say that, say, wow, if you're not doing that, you're a bad person, but rather I think for many of you, you may have never realized that God is inviting you and asking you, 
we are called to be generous people and give to all kinds of things, but God is inviting and asking, are there still a people, a remnant of people in this world who will honor me through the giving of their time, of their talents, and yes, their treasure, bringing out of what God has placed into his house so that his house may be built, his, the, the people of God known by his name. Do you know, if we come back for one moment to this drawing, another work of art, and as I said, we will be auctioning it off in just a, sh a couple of weeks when this series is over. Uh, just kidding. Uh, the people of God have always lived with this tension right here. If I give of my time, talent, timber, treasure, if I put it into God's house first, it feels like there just won't be enough for me. And so sometimes we just keep on throwing everything we got at our house. You know what? I'm feeling a little bit anxious and worked up. What I need is more recreation and more time away. So I'm going to take more holidays. And we keep throwing stuff, hoping kind of life's going to go better. And you know what? I, I just, you know, times are tight and, and there's inflation and things are challenging. I better just hold on to what I've got. And I better just make sure that we've got enough uh, here. Because if, if we don't, it, it may not work. And I'm working on a business or a project or a, a dream that I've got. And I'm putting all my talent and all my energy into it. And I'm, I'm hoping that if I can just build that, you know what, maybe down the track, maybe down the track I'll be able to kind of be a part of building God's house. But, but not right now because I just got to put everything I got right here. And we keep throwing stuff and throwing stuff and going, I want to build this house. And God says to the people in Haggai, the message of Haggai is he says, it, it's not time for that. It'll always feel like time to just work and focus on our house. God says, it's time to build my house. And God actually says to him, the, the reason, the reason he says to his people that you are not finding that which you are looking for is because, he says in Haggai, he says, because my house is in ruins because you're building yours. In other words, God says, because you keep seeking your own house first, your own kingdom first, instead of saying it's about my kingdom, he says, that's why it's never going to be enough. And the beautiful thing we saw last week, the beautiful thing we saw was that the people heard that message and their spirit was stirred and they came and began to work on God's house. And we talked about this idea that the hope and the promise of the remnant is these two things, devotion and obedience. A people who will just say, yes, Lord, we hear you. Yes, we believe that, we know that in our own humanness, it often feels like if we just had enough and kept throwing it at our house, maybe then eventually we could get to your house. But actually that God says to each one of us, now is the time to begin to build, to rebuild. Now is the time to bring our treasure and our time and our talents and say, God, we want to use these for your glory. Because as long as we continue to prioritize our own house, God says, it will never be enough. And you might have the best holidays in the whole world, but it's like God saying, but it will never satisfy. You might have the biggest bank account and super and all those things, but it will never really be enough. You might have the, the, the best, you built the best kind of name and reputation for yourself in this world, but you will always find there is something missing in your life, God says, and he says it over and over. Jesus says, if you'll seek my kingdom first, then all these things will be added. Jesus says, whoever actually wants to find their life will lose it for my sake. Over and over the scriptures say, if we will be those people who will put God 
his kingdom first in our lives. That in fact, if I can come last time to this drawing, instead of having less, our lives will have more. This is the extraordinary paradox of the gospel. Lose it, find it. That which we let go of, God blesses. And the point isn't say, oh, now you'll just have more and everything will just be perfect in your life. But rather, there you experience what the scriptures call blessing in your life. Which is that even in hard times or lean times, you will have that which cannot be shaken. And you'll see in so many ways, God will continue to unpack that through these verses. You know, this morning I just have a simple I guess kind of question for each one of us who says, I I want to be a part of the house God is building. I want to be a part of that remnant. I want to be not just part of the remnant, but I want to be part of the rebuild. Can I encourage you this? Imagine with me the house God could build, not with a giant group of people. God doesn't need a giant group of people. And he doesn't need kind of heroes out there who just give all their time and talent and treasure. And some people, God will lay that challenge for them. And that's an amazing thing. But what God needs is is a small group of people, a remnant of people who say, Lord, we will bring of our time. We will bring of our talents. We will bring of our treasure. And together through that group of people, God builds his house. Through the remnant of people, it's how God has always built his house. You know, in a moment, we're going to take communion. It's a moment where we meet with Jesus. There's a lot I've said, but what I would encourage you is to say, God, what are you saying to me right here, right now? We don't live in the time of Haggai. Our day is this time, 2022. In this place, here at the edge of the Indian Ocean, in this tribe of people, what if we just began to say, God, what are you asking me to bring? And as you meet with Jesus, it's a time to remember. We never bring these things or give these things because we're hoping we'll be good people or, or we'll earn God's favor. Or God, if maybe if I did, maybe that's the answer. If I just gave a little more of my time or talent or treasure, God would give me more. No, no, no. We always remember it is a response of love to what Christ has done for us. This table reminds us it is all about Jesus. And our hope and dream is to see his name. Lifted up on high in this world. So can I encourage and invite you to meet with him today? Listen to what he might speak to you. Ask him for his vision. And maybe just begin to pray and say, Jesus, are you asking me to bring my time, my talents, my treasure? And respond as his voice would so lead you. Because when we do this together, that is what lifts his name on high. I want to pray for you. When you're ready, come and just meet with Jesus. Lord, in this moment, we thank you that it is all about the name of Jesus. We thank you for all that you have done for us. And our hope and our prayer is that we would live lives of devotion and obedience to you. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit might meet with each one of us. That even this morning you would reassure us of your extraordinary love and grace in our lives. And that we would so overflow with joy and devotion that we might respond as you would lead each one of us. Thank you, Jesus, for all you have done and are doing. It's in your name we pray. Amen.